and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. Rachel Burford, the World Cup winner, is alongside myself, Johnny Hammond. Coming to you a little bit later this week, and just as well, because there is major, major news if you haven't heard already. But uh, first things first, how are you doing, Berth? How's everything? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Rehab's going well, um, and yeah, been enjoying a bit of the, the nice sunshine that we've had over the last few days. To that major, major news then, uh, late last night, a press release came out from World Rugby. I know you've been part of these these conversations, part of this decision process, that the 2021 Women's Rugby World Cup has been delayed by a year. Before we get Berth's take on it, let's get some immediate reaction from current England player. Uh, yes, very lucky to get into the England camp and speak to their captain. Always an absolute uh, pleasure to have the Red Roses captain Sarah Hunter, MBE, um, on the <laughs> on the pod. Uh, since I wish we were sort of talking about about sort of more more positive things, but obviously you've you've heard the news uh, about the World Cup. You just just your initial thoughts and the initial feelings for you. Yeah, so I guess um, it came out of the blue. Um, for, for me, I think most of the players, to be honest, I think the messages sort of we've been receiving um, and the fact that it was from New Zealand were all really positive, it was going to go ahead. So I think, obviously, to, to get the news last night was a, a bit of a shock. Um, and then I guess it's disappointing. You worked so hard over the what, three and a half years in terms of building towards a World Cup for it to kind of be pulled with this, with, with, from when underneath you is, um, is yeah, it was, wasn't the best news to hear, but I guess you take a step back and you put it in perspective and you think about it logically and it, it, is, it is the right decision to, to make, to postpone it. And I think more importantly, to, to make the call now, you know, not leave it to last minute to make. There's so much uncertainty going on in the world, let alone world rugby with teams qualified, not qualified, quarantining, code cases popping up, all sorts of different things that actually you don't want that impacting the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. When when did you when did you find out? You, you say it sort of came out of the blue. When were you as players told? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, so I'm not obviously in camp at the minute, but um, I, I was uh, I was sat on a, a bike doing the most horrendous bike session when um, when um, I I found out. So it probably wasn't the best time because I think I was both physically and mentally like spent. So then to find out that the World Cup that you um, that you've been working so hard for and working so hard to get back from injury for is. Uh, it's no longer going to happen this year and it's going to, or possibly not going to happen this year. It obviously has to be be ratified when it goes to the powers that be. Um, yeah, it was uh, maybe not the best timing. No, well, I, I, I think that's a, it's, a, it's a rubber stamp, isn't it? Let's, let's be honest with you, ratification. Uh, that would be uh, very, very naive to, to go against the recommendations. Um, I, I, I hope you got straight off the bike and went, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore, thanks very much. Um, certainly not for today, anyway. The, the wider perspective, though, it, it, was ju- it was just backing up too much, wasn't it? The, the qualifications, 
I mean, we're, we're very much in the dark about Six Nations fixtures, so you know, I'm personally sort of thinking, oh, crumbs, not not entirely sure where, where that stands at the moment. Um, it, was ju- it was just getting too much, plus the extra expense of having to put people up, quarantine for two weeks, that's that's a government policy uh, announced by Jacinda Ardern, uh, and the money that's going to cost World Rugby in New Zealand, it was, ju- it was just, there were just too many things up against it. Oh, yeah, I think, like like you say, when you sit back and look at it logically, and you, I think because you're always naturally in your own little bubble, like we've, we obviously qualify automatically, We've been in training, although it's been very adapted because of COVID. Like, you almost sometimes forget about the other nations. Like, some teams haven't even qualified. They don't know when the qualification process is going to happen. Um, like, like you say, you've got the quarantine process that have to follow government guidelines. You've got, I mean, you just got to look at what happened in Madrid last week in terms of, in the sevens, in terms of the false positive in France and America, like, rightly pulling out because of player welfare. You know, you don't want these things impacting what is the pinnacle of the 15s game, like, and only happens once every uh, four years. So, actually, you don't want a team not being able to, like, play a game because of something COVID related and um, let alone everything that goes on with the, the money side of things and then like no fans being there and like not having support from your family like how is it going to be commercially recognised and driven and I, this World Cup has the, the probably the biggest opportunity to be the best and most competitive World Cup that the women's game has ever seen, and is it is the right thing to put it in the best possible chance to do that by not having the whole COVID thing impact it. So, it, yes, it's disappointing as a player that your sort of goal has been shifted, but I think given the nature of the world, the rugby world, like some teams haven't even played any rugby, like some countries aren't playing rugby, so actually... Yeah, it, it is one of those things that you do have to take a step back from it personally and your like involvement into it and go, actually, it probably is the right decision for the for the wider game to to move it. So you know, for me, if you, it does worth doing, it's worth doing well. So my dear father used to drum into me as a, a as a kid. It just wouldn't have been the best representation, and I think. Yeah, we're at a point where that that has to be the case in everything that women's rugby does, and you know, um, you know the minutiae, but but also the, the 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 wider aspects of it as well. We've got to represent it in the, in the best possible light. Just just two more questions, if I if I may. One is, have you spoken to other players? What's what, what's the feeling? Is it one of understanding, one of frustration, uh, a little bit of mix of, of lots of things? Yeah, I think very much a mix. I think the first bit was that shock. I think, like I said, like I guess because of all the positive noises coming out around the World Cup, the fact that it was in New Zealand where actually they've dealt with COVID really well, you think that actually the one place it could go ahead is is that country. Um, I think there was a shock of a, like, oh, it, it's not happening and a disappointment because, like I say, as, as players, you work so hard at this moment to have it sort of uh, delayed I think it's just it's, an, it's a natural reaction but I think um, 
think one of the, I think it might have been Abby actually decided, uh, Abby Ward described as a bit of a breakup, like, and how you feel like when you're going through that. Um, but, um, but I think there's a general understanding of the rationale behind it. And I think as long as that, I think when you understand that, you can kind of start to, to quantify it in your head and put it into perspective and like just be able to to cope with it a little bit better it's when something gets decided that there's no logic or rhyme or reason behind it you're a bit like well why has that happened whereas it's the common sense approach to to it and player welfare has to be the utmost um important factor of deciding whether something's going to go ahead or not so so yeah i think a, a very mixed feelings uh, around it yeah understandably so i mean, huge just a heart's go out to, to every player around the world who was hoping to, to to be involved with it um absolutely gutting for for you all um but yeah, as you say, uh, wider things are, are, are foot here and, and people's lives and, and what have you can't can't be messed around with even for even for a World Cup, even for sport. Um, if I may just ask personally, um, you know, most people, um, yeah, look, I understand this is this is this is very very uh, fresh news for you and the dust certainly. Won't have, won't have settled, but you know, people have been fairly amazed that you know, you're in your late fifties now and still playing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, look, it's, it, 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 we're honest. Yeah, more to sort of back end of your career. And what have you? Have you had a chance to sort of just have a have a think and uh, reflect and think what you where you might go with it all? Yeah, it's a very um, it's a very uh, good question. Um, I think obviously say you're five years younger, ten years younger even, actually a year doesn't really make much of a difference. Like, you're like, oh, what's a year? But like you say, when you're, when you're sort of a, a senior player at the sort of, like you say, back end of, of career, um, th- those are sort of decisions that you have to have to think about and make. And um, I think maybe if you'd asked me yesterday, it might have been a, a very different answer <laughs> after literally... Ex- spending myself on a bike to hear the news and being like, oh, God, like, another year. But, um, like, I'm so driven to play in, in, in this World Cup. Um, and my priority at the minute is getting back fit, getting on the pitch. I've played very little rugby this year due to COVID and due to injuries, like, um, consecutive injuries. So, that's first and foremost my priority to, to get back on, to get playing, to see where I'm at. Like, um, like I say, I, I'm driven to play. Um, that decision might be taken out of my hands. Um, I've obviously got to get got to get contracts and all sorts of things, and still be selected to play. But um, the conversation I'll probably have with Simon is that I'm like. I, I'm determined to, to to play in that, um, and I've always said like I only want to keep playing if I'm adding value to the team and contributing to to the performance. So as long as I guess the body can keep going, I'm I'm, I'm playing and I'm being selected, and actually England still want me, then um, I'll do my very best to to get to the World Cup whenever that might be. That's absolutely brilliant to, brilliant to hear, uh, really is. And ladies and gentlemen, there's an England captain 
answering a question that keeps her media officer happy, the public happy, <laughs> and us journalists happy. So there you are. What a, what a tremendous example. When you do hang out the boots, since there's a brilliant career for you in the media, and so you and I have discussed off air before, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll welcome you with open arms, but we hope um, that won't be for, for some time to come, and uh, really pleased to hear that determination. Look, well, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, obviously, uh, a few few conversations, whatever, going on with you, a uh, busy time with the, with the news. Thank you so much for, for allowing us to, to get some reaction from, from the very top of English rugby tree, um, and hopefully we'll see you very soon. Yeah, no problem. As always, my pleasure to come on the pod. Great to have Sarah Hunter on the pod to get that initial reaction from the England captain. I can only apologise over the quality of the audio, but uh, I think it's worth hearing from Sunta. How about your thoughts, Berth, a process which you were actually involved in making? Yeah, well, that's the the recommendation um, from Rugby World Cup, which will go to the board next week for final decisions. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's been part of conversations probably ever since we got into COVID um, to make sure, you know, it, it's been such a difficult time, hasn't it? We were struggling to get the qualifiers going. All, all other competitions aren't really running. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a major, it's a major decision. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, well, I know, you know, different options have been exhausted and they've been looked into um and yeah so I guess the final decisions is pending but it's looking likely to be rescheduled and you know is that the right thing is it the best thing for the game is it the best thing for the players and for the teams to to be able to play competitively have a really good lead up have a really good preparation you could look at all those things and say yes and broadcasting timings of schedules and things there's there's so much depth into it that um the only thing that I can sit here and think about is you know how the players received that yesterday I think all the unions got hold of the information a little bit earlier to be able to talk to all their players and you know so many teams have gone through so much and sacrificed so much with COVID as well to to be able to keep preparing and stay focused and stay driven towards that goal of playing in the 2021 Rugby World Cup. Um, so I suspect there's a lot of upset at the moment. And um, yeah, it's really disappointing to see, you know, we, we really wanted it to happen this year. And we've been saying it's a golden year and a golden opportunity for women's rugby. And just hopefully, you know, that can kick on and still be present in whenever it's going to be rearranged for. Yeah, you say it's a recommendation, but, that's purely a rubber stamp, isn't it? If the World Cup are saying you shouldn't do it, then it's just a, it's a formality, isn't it? Uh, yes and no, I guess. The whole purpose of the Rugby World Cup board is to make those kind of decisions, or at least there may be some other recommendations that haven't been considered um, and, you know, another discussion to be had. I think, yeah, of course, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a statement that's come out that this is what, should happen and this is what's recommended to happen and obviously they're the experts in that area so y- you could say it's a done deal um but yeah it's just you know it's probably a decision that's not been taken lightly at all no i, I for me there's the uh, obviously there's incredible disappointment because actually that was one sporting event when the likelihood of the olympics when just, yeah. um but it was in new zealand the whole quarantine thing um, 
incredibly difficult to ask amateur players to, to do what they were doing. And it was tipping towards New Zealand, wasn't it? No, no fans and what have you. So in terms of showcasing women's rugby in the best possible light, absolutely bang on decision, completely correct. Gives us a chance for a proper run-up now. Um, let's hope the Six Nations goes ahead and we can sort of have a, a decent run-up. I, I do feel for those players and, and there's going to be some interesting, I suspect some, some interesting announcements and that kind of stuff, not only you know, from, from an England point of view, but home nations and whether it be sevens or fifteens, people, you know, being able to sort of hold on for, for the World Cup. And that, yeah, that's that's really very, very sad. But we are in the middle of a global pandemic. The other side of me says, well, this is about money, funnily enough. Always is, isn't it? Um, and this is about quarantine uh, and the amount of money the New Zealand government is going to put towards the, 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 the quarantine. Um, and World Rugby didn't want to put the bill in, and neither did uh, the New Zealand government. And that's that's what it comes down to. Which is, which is a real shame. And I, I will just carry out that and say, if it was a Men's World Cup, I wonder what the decision would be. Um, are we comparing chalk with cheese because it's professional, non-professional? But therein lies the problem, isn't it? But it's, it's incredibly disappointing. And I know people will be, will be gutted. Um, I know we're, we're certainly, certainly gutted about it. But uh, yeah, these are unprecedented times. We've said it many, many times before. Uh, it's a real, real shame. We do have a, a cracking show coming for you today. Wendy Young from your Scrum Half Connection uh, over in the States is coming on to hear all about Wendy and her trying to promote on the other side of the pond. Really, really lovely person and does a lot for the game over there. It'd be interesting to hear her story. The other thing I want to talk to you about, Berth, was um, your article in Rugby Cup Pass um, about broadcasting. Um, and that sort of weaves into... Uh, a few issues that Maggie Alfonsi's been having, Sonia McLaughlin over the weekend. Um, slightly different issues, but it's kind of all, all, all of the same. I agree with you, funny enough. Wow. Um, You're all right. I'm embarrassed at times with what's what's put out there on, on some of the streams and what have you. I, I always think that how you present a game should be mirrored with what's going on in the field. And the Alex Premier 15s is an exceptional product. And how it's been presented is it's appalling. Um, and the powers that be don't, don't, don't mind. The, the attitude is just get it out there. That's not good enough for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a, a lot more training and I think a huge amount of influence uh, needs to be put on, on the people, putting those people in that, that position and actually produce stuff. It doesn't come, as you know. I mean, it took me about 10 years to be confident to not think about every single word I said. You? Yeah, I mean, I did my first women's game last weekend. And, you know, that's my only second game co-commentating. And, yeah, I'm way off where I'd like to be with it. Um, and I think that's that was part of the article. It's like recognising that's not just a job you can just slip into and just do well look there's a couple of people in um in the game I think Emily Scarrett's pretty natural you flip over to the men's side Sam Warburton's very natural they're kind of people who can just step into it and it's natural to them but majority of people need support training understanding they need to develop and you know get experience in it like obviously 
Um, you're never going to be perfectly ready when you first go on screen. You're never going to be where you are, Johnny, after 10 years, after that first 10 years, and be really confident and comfortable with what you're doing, what you're saying. You're not going to be at that stage by doing a little bit of training. You do have to go in the firing line, but you need to go into the firing line a bit loaded. And that was kind of the round around the article is like making sure we're, we're, we're making this whole product as an opportunity to grow the game, to bring in more investors, to bring in um, more fans, to sell the game, to really showcase our players and really highlight the high skill, the, the athleticism of them. Like let's really find ways to, to, talk about that in the game during commentary and league commentators can do that that because obviously that's your that's a profession and you've learned your trade and that's it and my article is just around you know if I if I'm going to go in there I have to be prepared I have to do my homework I have to research on the teams I have to have a bit of knowledge and understanding of the wider picture as well um and I need to seek feedback. I need to ask, you know, what could I improve on? How can I get better? As well as my own critique. And I think we just, my article around, like, I have no time for anybody that's going to abuse anybody or be disrespectful because you can give criticism by being respectful 100%. And, you know, I think we're, we're in a danger that as soon as somebody is critical about a female in that space, it's it can be branded as, oh, they're being sexist. When... You know, that might not be the case. In some cases, as we've seen with, with Maggie and with Sonia, that that has happened. It has been a sexist comment. That's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, the fact of, like, if somebody's reached out to me and said, oh, I think you could have done this slightly better or have you thought about this? You know, I've got to take that as, you know, I'm grateful for that. The only way you can improve is by hearing those kind of things. So I guess it was kind of two ends. It was we've got to understand what the power of the product of a stream of it being live um we've got to understand that not just what's on the pitch has got to be great also what's off the pitch has got to be great as well because it all look, 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 let me just deal with your the abuse thing it, it's totally and utterly unacceptable without mm. racial sexual it, there's absolutely no place for it but i don't care whether the reporter is male or female but white mixed race i don't care if you're good enough on you go and and i think that's for me that's that's the point is whether you're a man or a woman do your research have some training get some feedback and if someone like sonia isn't good enough to do it she wouldn't do it the bbc simply wouldn't put her there to do it it's very very simple remember a story and this was told about 15 minutes before my first ever live commentary, Sharks against Harlequin by my old boss. So Johnny, don't get up. Use your own word in the middle there. Uh, because um, three minutes of one, into one game um, I had, I had the boss of uh, Sky Sports that was then, uh, ring me and tell me to pull the commentator off because he didn't like his voice. Um, and the boss's reaction was, well, he's got 73 minutes left of the game. He said, okay, fine. Well, he can do this next 73 minutes, but he never works on our channels again. And he, he never works on the channels again. Um, so it, it's very, very simple. If you're not good enough, you don't get to do it. You, you go in an eerie 80,000-seater stadium and ask Owen Farrell, who is prickly as you like, and I think there's a massive responsibility with him and the England media team to sort him out. It's part of the contract. The BBC and ITV paid for those interviews. It's part of his contract to actually give something 
rather than quickly. And actually, if someone's got their back up against you, you're going to put their back up against them. And, and I thought, I thought Sonia's interview, you can question tone and style and all the rest of it, and whether you like it or not. You know, it's like art. Um, but I thought our questions were absolutely bang on. So we don't condone any abuse in the slightest. Absolutely disgusting. And I think social media uh, platforms have a huge responsibility to do that. But um, oh, we are really high horsey today, aren't we? Uh, on the yeah. soapbox. But, it, but, but, but yeah, look, it's, it's, we're passionate there about it. We have to talk about We have to, you know, the reason for the podcast is to talk about women's rugby and to spread news, but it's also to highlight some issues and, and how we can find solutions. That that And that's the big piece about that article that I put out. It wasn't me standing on my high horse and being like I know all and I can do all it was like this is where I'm at this is what I'm continuing to do and look how let's find a solution to get some girls you know some experience or some training in it especially with um all that the Allianz Premier 15s teams which is amazing that all the clubs are pretty much streaming their own thing so but what are they doing to help some of their injured players who may be on the cons like how do we support them better? Uh, absolutely nothing. I, I, I mean, I heard a, a commentary. Uh, I, I won't say what club. I only heard three players' names. Because those are the only three players that the league commentator knew. All game. That, that's, disgust, that's disgusting. That's disgraceful. Um, because it... And the, the reason I'm so passionate about it is because it all works into a greater thing. If a potential sponsor or somebody who... Who works in the marketing department at Saatchi and Saatchi or you know Vitality or whatever switches onto a stream and it's you know Tom Dick and Harry doing the doing the doing the commentary and it's it's not professional and it's not it's not done right and the, the tone isn't right and all the rest of it you immediately switch off. Yeah you know, we don't have crowds at the moment so so the grounds don't look great but some of the cameras aren't being used aren't great. So why are you going to invest in a product that doesn't look great? So, you know, the, the pictures and the vision sell the product. So it all interlinks into, so present that properly. You might get investors. So you grow and so you grow and so you grow and so you grow. And so it's all, it's all intertwined for me. Um, but you know, it, 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 it comes down to, to money. And, and there, there are certain people out there, gobs for hire, or whatever they call themselves, um, who will do it for, for, for 20 quid. And you know, you, you pay for what you get as simple as that. So yeah, I, I think it's a it's a real real shame. I worked, I've put many 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 hours into contacting every club and the RFU to try and get some sort of unity to what's being put out there. And I know there's minimum standards in terms of broadcast for, for the Alex Premier Fifteen's teams. It's just not being adhered to, and nobody's watching it because they don't have the time. So um, I'll try to link it up, but it's yeah again it's it's like smacking your head against a, a brick wall, unfortunately. Um, and some people don't get a bigger picture of the broadcast either. Um, they're far more interested in, 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 in their, their club and, and what they need to do um, on, on that day, which is, a, which is a real shame. I will just note, and I've done it for a, a couple of quite high-profile uh, people, people in the media, women's rugby players, coaches, uh, JH Media Services, commentary training, punditry training, analysis training, no problem at all, tailored completely happy. To you, there's me sell, hard sell, <laughs> but genuinely, um, yeah, I know players have been chucked in sort of on a Thursday, turn up on the ground, got no idea what they're doing. I've had a couple of occasions with that with the co-commentators. That's just not good enough. So, if you just want a half an hour chat, whatever, 
they're, they're digging me for because um, it's, it's the greater good, isn't it? Uh, of trying to trying to present it properly. Anyway, on to Wendy Young, your scrum half connection. I'm Jade Conkle, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. A huge privilege to welcome Wendy Young from uh, your Scrum Half Connection. How are you, Wendy? Are you well? All the way over there in Texas. Very well. Very excited to be included. Thank you guys for thinking of me. Don't be silly. We are, well, like like you, we're trying to spread the, uh, the women's rugby love um, all over the place. And for those of you that... Our listeners that that, that that don't know, uh, it's a, your website. It's something I've, I've been across for for many years in a in a sort of research capacity, and obviously the podcast now. Um, what is your Scrum Half connection? Yeah, it's a website that I started in two thousand and six, and honestly, it started to cover just. I had found the sport in two thousand and one, and I started it to cover the sport in Oklahoma, where I was at the time, and in my area because no one was talking about women's rugby. Especially in the United States, there were a few sites that were would have random updates, you know, blogs about games in their area. But nobody was kind of looking at the United States and saying, this is what the East Coast is doing or this is what they're doing. So it just evolved over the years and became bigger and bigger and then um, started to co- cover international stuff as well. Kind of in like 2010, we went to our first World Cup in England. My um, at the time partner and I went. And uh, from then it was just like we knew this is what we wanted to do. How was Guilford for you? It was fantastic, you know, coming especially from the United States and playing at a small, tiny college in Oklahoma, uh, going somewhere that the, the park is just filled and everybody's there and drinking and having a great time. And it was fantastic rugby. I mean, it was just the best thing we've ever seen in our lives. You said you found rugby 2001. Can we can we go back there? How why did you find rugby? Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, like most athletes here in the States, I have had a sport. I played soccer forever since I could walk and I loved it. And I got a a scholarship offer to go to a tiny college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I had no interest in going. And I was, you know, 19 and was like, I don't want to play soccer. I can go on without sports. Well, that was dumb because, you know, I didn't know what to do without organized sport. I didn't know what to do. So uh, funny enough, I was at a bar with some of my friends and we got a flyer for women's football and a flyer for women's rugby. So we had four, I had four friends, two went to football and two went to rugby. I went to rugby and we never went back to football. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are the other three doing now? They all did play rugby. None of them, let's see, two of them play and then two are just fans, right? So yeah, we we all continued on in the sport in our different paths. Oh, there you are. You see, they they, they couldn't be on the dark side for long, could they? They had to come over to to (laughs) Luke and Leia. Um, Brilliant. And what? Once you once you got involved in in, in rugby, do you remember your, like your your first training session? Were you like, oh my goodness, what what on earth is is this? Or did you was it just love at first sight, as it were? I mean, it was pretty much love at first sight because we had a practice on our Tuesday and we had a practice on Thursday, and then we had a, our first game. So I played scrum half after two practices, and our whole team. I think we had like fourteen rookies and two veterans. So, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. At one point in, in the, you know, our first training, we're getting yelled at because we're not rucking, but we're like, what, what's that? And, you know, all these things. And luckily, all my friends, we'd all played sports. So we were really into contact. So we weren't afraid of the contact. We just needed some direction to just run up the field and make sure we pass backwards. And then that's how it was written. Wow. 
Yeah, it's a it's a fabulous sport, isn't it? And um, it, it takes people like you, yourself to uh, to get involved and and move it forward for for it to grow. So, come two thousand and six, say right, well let's let's start promoting some some club bits and pieces. And I suspect you and I have a, a similar kind of tell here with, with this podcast. It just it just consumes you, doesn't it? And you want to do more and more and more and promote more and more. You find more and more stories, more and more interest, and it just almost sort of takes over your life. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, like I said, I started really small and just wrote about my team and the game we had that weekend. And then another team would reach out and say, will you write about our game? And I'm like, sure. What, what happened? You know, give me the details. And it just kind of grew from there. And that's where we went from. I went from the U.S. all the way out to, you know, covering the World Cup and all these other events that, you know, are peripheral and were exciting, but I never thought I would have the funds or the means to go to a World Cup, you know, and the blog really helped with a lot of that. Um, at the time, we called it a blog, but it really helped with a lot of that. But it was really the connections that were made. You know, like I met Allie Donnelly, who Scrum Queen, she reached out to me and, you know, was like, I'm going to start a web, web, women's review website. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. You know, and now we have a friendship and it's been fantastic and um, really feel like we've done a really good job of just promoting women's rugby. I mean, obviously, a lot of people get uh, get a lot out of uh, out of your website. What what have you got from from the well, two part question? Part A is what have you got from the sport of rugby? And B, what have you got from outside of meeting Ali Donnelly, which by itself, let's let's be honest, is, is fabulous. What a what a wonderful human being she is um but what else have you got from from running the site yeah i mean i'll start with your first part first rugby i mean it's been everything you know it's helped me get jobs it's helped me continue in an organized sport somewhere where i could put my passion uh, forward and honestly it's driven me to careers you know i realized early on i liked organizing the tournament scores and getting all uh, digging into the details and finding the rosters and and really getting into it and understanding, okay, well, Rugby Africa is having this cup this week, and then that leads into this. And figuring out where it's not really documented well, like figuring that out helped me to understand I wanted to be a project manager. So that's what I do for my life now, you know. And then getting jobs. You mentioned you're a rugby player, and it's unique. People love it. You know, more than once in a job interview, I've been told, oh, man, I love hiring rugby players. They're just great. They're passionate. They're, you know, competitive, and they're great, and they're all about teamwork and so, I mean, rugby has been everything for me in my life. It helped me find my wife. You know, we have a kid now, and he wants to play rugby. Like, it's just it's just everything. Wow. Um, for the second part of your question, the site has really also just taken that to another level. You know, I've always – I've been involved in the administrative side of rugby since 2008 when I became the Texas Rugby Union um, administrator, basically. So I managed the TRU, and we have about 45 teams. And uh, tried to step away several times, but I just can't. I'm just obsessed, right? I like it. I like um, helping teams and growing rugby and all of that. But beyond that, it's helped me get onto the USA Rugby, the NGB level. You know, I've done um, management of test matches where I'm managing the referees, and I'm on the tech zone side. You know, um, I got um, brought into two Hall of Fames. I'm in the Oklahoma Rugby Hall of Fame and the Texas Rugby Hall of Fame. And that has opened up even more doors because when you're a player, you're like, cool, people came before me, whatever. But when you really start to be in the Hall of Fame, you learn, you know, that this this person you're meeting tonight started rugby in Texas or started USA Rugby with the four other gents that did that. Like, it's just fantastic. The history and learning that you can do and, and understanding that, uh, yes, I'm in this sport for 20 
many years, but so much work has come before me. And I mean, England, you guys are celebrating 150 years. That is just crazy to me. And it's so, so exciting. Wow. Your, your, your passion is uh, utterly infectious. Um, I, I knew it would, you would be so because I've read and, and watched a lot of, a lot of your stuff. As you say, we'll, we'll just, oh, I'm going to widen out in a, in a moment or two. Are you, are you okay for time? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Now, if Berth was here, I apologies, she, she's not. She would say, uh, don't tell him you've got loads of time because he'll talk to you all day long. And, and I'm like you. I could talk about rugby all day long, especially the, on the women's side. Um, but uh, as you say, you're, you're that sort of uh, project manager, the detail of it. I mean, I, you, you said a bit, a bit of info earlier, very, very kind of you to do. Um, at present, listeners, Wendy is a USA... Rugby Club Competitive Committee Women's Representative. She's the Austin Valkyries Illuminati Liaison Board Member. She's a Red River Rugby Conference Committee's uh, Competitions Committee Member. She's the Texas Graph, uh, Geographic Uni Administrator. The list goes on and on and on and on. What's your favourite bit of it all? It's gross, right? It's also a method of I can't say no. <laughs> who also is a rugby player is I was like, you've got to say no to some of these things, but I just can't sometimes. Yeah. My favorite bit. Um, I mean the site it's, it's, it's just been a labor of love and I've thought about walking away from it, you know, several times and um, it, it, because it's hard at the same time, it's my own money. I do get some donations. You know, I mean, I know you guys are in the same boat, right? Like yep. people aren't knocking the door down for sponsors. And if you get one, you get them for maybe a year and I've had, I've been lucky enough to have some, but um, it's just my passion. And, and like I said, it's it's given me the opportunity to go to so many fantastic events. I mean, rugby world cups and sevens, and you know the Olympics, and and be on the front lines. It's different to be a media representative. You can talk to the players and talk to the coaches and get to know them on a personal level as well. Beyond just you know watching the game from the best seat because you're up in the suites, you know, usually. So it's just really good overall. Awesome. Uh, if we could just just wind it out um, a little bit to to USA um, uh, and no no better person really to to talk about this. Um, we spoke to Alicia Washington some time ago. Uh, we've had Rob Kane on. Um, obviously, he was uh, over here at Saracens. But um, fifteen seems to have stalled almost completely uh, over there, and I, I may be very very wrong. Sevens is different, different funding pot, all the rest of it. But I know uh, Christian Sumner and uh, it is Alicia, isn't it, who's done the XV Foundation, basically asking yes. people to fund a national team sport. I mean, that's a crazy position to be in in 2021, isn't it? It really is. And, I mean, it's tough. You know, rugby is starting to come back. We're starting to see where the pandemic it's uh, on a downhill hopefully in the united states hopefully it stays that way so we are seeing there's some rugby being played in florida there's okay. some being in st louis so it's it's popping back up and and in texas we just had some relaxation that we're going to allow our teams to play social matches so it's coming but you're right on the national level well, i'll be frank it's embarrassing to have to have two players essentially start a foundation and begin fundraising so that we can have a proper it's not even proper you know a a way a method to train our national team and Rob and his team and Kristen and Alicia have done absolutely fantastic things, but I just continually am appalled um, that USA rugby is not properly supporting our best 15s team. Yeah, no, uh, uh, absolutely. What's the, what's, what's the avenue then to, 
to that team. I mean, possibly, and this this is the thing, isn't it? Right here is that you want something to aspire to. When when I was you know four years of age and I'm watching the the, the Colts, the under nineteens play. Oh, that's where I want to play. And when I'm a Colt, I want to play for the first team because I can see up to them. You've got a national team that's being funded by basically volunteers and, and, and volunteers trying to trying to get the, the process going, which is a weird situation as we've discussed. But what's the pathway to to that senior women's team in terms of the, the, the club structure or, outside yeah. of COVID, outside of COVID? Yeah, yeah. So um, there are several methods. Um, and Rob has really, I think, embraced when he came here. One of the first things he did was do a road road trip and figure out what it is because it's so different than what he was doing, right? Yeah. So we have a lot of colleges, and um, some are NCA, so university-funded sports. Um, that I think they just added their 18th team, which is super exciting. They're on their way to, you know, break it into 30. It's kind of the place where you feel like you've got a good spot. Um, so there's one avenue there, and then there are several other small leagues. We have a USA Rugby D1A, which is essentially just the step down to where they're not quite fully funded or maybe not just playing in that league. And uh, I know Rob looks at those as a, an avenue. And then we have club rugby, several levels. And then we have our premier kind of uh, not even can't even call it semi-professional, but it's our women's premier league. And so Rob goes there. Beyond that, we have several USA rugby championships events, sevens and fifteens that I know he scouts at. But beyond that, it's a lot of him going around and just finding players. We don't really have strong high performance pathways. In my opinion, yes, we have documentation from USA Rugby and we have this is what it's supposed to look like. But if you talk to the players, that is not what's happening. They're not going to an under 23 and then moving their way up. They're trying. Right. But that's been a consistent struggle. It comes down to the money. Who's available, coaching, scouting. I mean, there's so many things I feel like are in the way. Um, I mean, Rob has done a fantastic job and so has his, you know, the staff of the under 23 team and, and, and that. But I just think they have so many hurdles in front of them that, that I don't know how he's finding the talent, honestly. So you're you're you're, you're driving a truck and you don't find a, a rubber ducky on it, hey? Somebody's been looking at social media. Um, you find a shiny lamp and you give it a rub and a genie pops out and says, "Right, what are your three wishes for USA Rugby? I'll grant them. What are the three top things to fix?" Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. I think. Um... It's got to be, we've got to get real sponsors on board with USA Rugby. And I'm going to get so much trouble for this, but I'm a really direct person. And, you know, we've had several sponsors over the years, and they have been sponsors that no one in the United States has ever heard of. So it's a small cereal company or a small beverage company that no one's ever heard of. You can't buy it in your superstore, in your supermarkets. You can't support them, you know. Um, so we've got to get real sponsors on board, Jersey sponsors and, you know, flight sponsors and all of that just to, to, to boost us up. So we need funding and we need real sponsors. We've got to fix our broadcast problem as well. We've got to deal with flow rugby. Um, you know, it's everything that the Eagles do is going to be behind a paywall. That's really hard to expose the sport. I, I mean, I had a friend the other day, he was, um, approached by an MLR team to play and he was excited, but he was like, how do I learn about rugby? I want to watch the Eagles. And I was like, Oh, you got to go pay 50 bucks go watch it that's a huge problem yeah. so we've got to fix broadcast um and then i think the third thing is we've got to continue uh growing our coaching here um that's another area where i think we have uh, individual coaches who are fantastic maybe they've come from overseas or they've just really um been able to grow their expertise here but we've got to have the correct training um the ability for them to break into 
you know, large coaching groups where they can grow and learn and maybe coach at the WPL. Most of our WPL coaches are not homegrown. So we are getting that expertise, but we're not growing from the ground up as well. So if your son wanted to watch the Eagles, you, you'd have to pay to, to do that. You can't watch that anywhere. Sometimes you can watch them on like NBC, but we've made a deal once we, uh, USA Rugby made their own broadcast partner and that um, folded that it was just too expensive. So then they sold the rights to Flow Rugby. And I think they have five more years on their contract. So every once in a while, you'll have a game on like NBC, um, but it's men's, it's always men's. Yeah. Women's, if you want to see women's, you're going to have to uh, get yourself a VPN or go to Flow. Right. Okay. The geez. Yeah. You, you, you got to see it to be it, right? Absolutely. That's exactly why. Anyhow, I'm conscious, conscious of your time. I wanted to, to ask, you know, with this week, yesterday, uh, over here in the UK, obviously the announcement of the, the world cup being pushed back. Uh, your, your thoughts, feelings on that. You, you personally, yeah, first of all. Yeah, I think it was inevitable, and I hate to be that way. I've been saying for weeks that this is going to happen. I was saying it was going to be changed dramatically, or it's going to be like four teams or something crazy, or they were going to have to push it. Um, it is. I have an internal battle with this to where, yes, I think we should push it so we can adequately support it, make sure the teams are ready, make sure there's funding in place, get these qualifiers done with teams so they're not playing a qualifier four weeks before the World Cup because that's crazy. But then on the other hand, I just keep going back to the gender equity, and that's all over social media today, where we've got men's Six Nations not pushed, men's, men's, men's not pushed, men's premier continuing, no rule changes, not pushed. So I think, you know, we have several people coming out, um, like the RFU director, she just came out and said, you know, it's not a gender issue, but it just feels, it continues to feel like a gender issue on my, I just can't get away from that. Yeah, it's something I, when we recorded um, the earlier part of the pod, I, I, I said to Berth, you know, it's, it's the fact that the men's game is professional, women's not. That's where yeah. we're at. But that doesn't mean that, that that's right or, or we should accept that. You know, and quite clearly, I, I'm a bloke and I'm saying that. But, you know, it is 2021. Um, what, why on earth are they not on the same level playing field? It, it, it's very, very simple as that. And the, the answer which I... I I give back from lots of people. I'm sure you do commercially is, well, you know, when, when we do, for example, we, we tweet about something about men's rugby, it gets X thousands of hits. When we do one about women's rugby, it gets X tens of hits. So, and, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, one... I, I don't want to throw myself in front of a horse or no other woman wants to throw themselves in front of a horse or chain themselves to railings to, to get this some stuff doing, you know, we're not, the, we're not cavemen and women anymore. It's the 2021, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's one data point that we constantly have to fight, you know, and it's there's been several articles and I totally agree in the last few weeks of players coming out and saying we've got to broadcast this sport. It's got to be available to watch to grow. And, and we know that and we just need somebody to take, you know, Premier 15s is the easy example. We just need a broadcaster to come on board and say, yep, we're doing all the games. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic, you know, because, yes, the teams are starting to live stream, and that's what the teams in the WPL in the U.S. have done is just fine. We'll stream it ourselves. We'll do it. But that's a player behind a camera sometimes, and they get distracted, you know, and it's not the best quality, right? We need somebody to come in and just bite the bullet, and, yes, you'll lose some money. I mean, look at the MLR. They're losing money 
hand over fist over here, but it's on TV and everybody loves it. Let's do the same for the women and see what can happen. If you give us equal opportunity, I'm sure you'll get your equal dividends. I know you will. I, I, I could agree. There's one men's premiership team that runs as a proper business. Everyone else loses yeah. money. Like international rugby, okay, is very, very, very much different. But even broadcasters, you know, I worked for Sky Sports for 20 years. You don't make any money from, from televising club rugby. Nowhere near. Yeah. You, you, you lose money. So what, I, 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 don't, I, yeah, I don't get the argument. Look, we're, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole a little bit here, but you and I are very aligned on this. Um, when <laughs> I just wanted to, ah, soapbox time. Um, last thing I just wanted to, to ask you around that World Cup is, and I'm asking you to get your crystal ball out of here, uh, but what's that the effect going to be on on the U.S. Eagles and, and club rugby? You know, we know that World Rugby are working on some some big big development plans for the women's game. Not sure they're going to sort of kick in before the next World Cup. So, just lay out the next twelve months, if you would, for us for for, for the Eagles team and the impact of pushing that World Cup back. Yeah, I mean, I know they had several large assemblies planned. Um, they had a, a World Cup squad primed here in the U.S., and um, it almost feels like the funding is there, so we should take advantage of it and still do the assemblies. I think that's what a lot of the international teams are going to do. Cool, we were supposed to have here teams here the next two weeks. We're just going to keep doing it, push forward. So I totally think they should do that, and then we've got to get test matches. We've got to go places, or we've got to bring them to us, and we've got to get test matches. Um, you know, before the pandemic, we were up to – 12 test matches a year, which isn't that many, but it was the most the women's Eagles have ever done. We've got to get past that number. We've got to get, you know, all women's teams. England's basically the only team that's playing anywhere near that. You know, New Zealand, bless them. Unless they fly somewhere, they play two to four a year. So we've got to get test matches for the Eagles and uh, continue to find the best talent we can. And then we've got some interruptions in there. We're going to have a Rugby World Cup sevens in the middle of all this. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah. We've got HSBC sevens was just announced this morning. Um, so it's not going to be smooth sailing at all. No, in, 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 indeed not. And those test matches, not just against Canada, I'm guessing. You want to, want to play some? I would hope sorry, not, right? I mean, sorry, different let's, let's try to, yeah. I mean, it was great when we did the, uh, the, I forget what they call it now, but when they played South Africa and England, and then they, you know, if we could get France to come over, let's let's play the, the top five teams again, um, and let's have a super series and, and, and get everybody the best game time they can and, and make sure everybody can watch it. Indeedly so. Oh, we'll leave it there. Um, but a real, real treat uh, to to speak to you and get your views and and get a little insight to to rugby over there. But um, yeah, great passion and, and frustration all at the same time. But um, yeah, it seems like the the WRP and YSC are, are very, very in line with the, with our views as, as most of us are trying to trying to drive this game. But um, a real, real pleasure to to speak to you. Um, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big, big fan and I uh, really appreciate you. I'm Abby Brown and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Plenty of news to get across this week. But let's start with some international news. Yeah, some exciting news around the GB7 squad, which has been announced. So we've got players from Wales, Jasmine Joyce, Hannah Jones. Scotland's representatives are Rona Lloyd, Chloe Rowley, Helen Nelson, Lisa Thompson, Hannah Smith and Megan Gaffney. And from England, we have Holly Aitchison, Abby Brown, Abby Burton, Heather Fisher, Deborah Fleming, Megan Jones, 
Alex Matthews, Cecilia Quantzar, Emma Urin, and Amy Rawson Hardy. Huge congratulations to those guys. You know, they've had it, they've had a difficult few months waiting in anticipation for this. So exciting to see that squad get together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that first tournament, just hearing some whispers, isn't too far away. So good luck to all of the GB squad. Oh, Lloyd, Claire Rose. That is some dishy side. Uh, on to Wales. Shoan Lillycrap uh, again has the honour of leading the squad. Juan Abraham saying a fantastic role model, not only for the current group of players, but also in terms of the legacy this group of players will leave for the next generation of Wales women internationals and the community game. Craigie George, Karen Lake, Theon Lewis all returned from injury, plus five uncapped players. A 17-year-old, Cecilia Tupolotu, Laura Bliam, Gwen Leon Jenkins, Maddie Johns, Love for Lightning's Megan Davis. Uh, they also welcome back Mel Howley, May Clay, a year after giving birth to her son, and Karis Phillips from Worcester, Beth Dayton from Harlequin. And congrats to our hour, Shona Powell Hughes, and Flo Williams for the Perception Agency as well. Well done to today. And some sad news with Jay Conkle, but we do wish her all the best. She's um, heading off to do firefighter training. So she's taken a small break from, from her playing duties um, to get herself qualified for that. We can't afford to lose players of Jade Conkle's quality. Though. I agree with you. And we won't. She'll be back. But I know what angle you're going at. Um, but yeah, look, she sees this as a, a post-rugby career thing. So she's getting it done now. Um, which will allow her to continue playing rugby. Yeah, look, look, on a personal level, and we've had Jade on the pod a couple of times. Lovely, lovely lady. It was fab with my boys down at the stoop when we were all allowed to, to be together. Um, but but a proper superstar, one of Scotland's best players, and has been for a while. I think it's very, it's it, it's really really sad for the game that that's that's actually uh, you know something she wants to do. But yeah, we of course we welcome that. Open arms when she does come back. More news out of South Africa, and it's nothing official yet, uh, but it seems like old Lynn Campwell is is uh, waving her magic wand already because there are strong rumours that the SA women will be sexually contracted. As we say, just rumours at this stage. And just to bring you the news of Madrid Sevens, Russia won the double last weekend. And this weekend, they beat Kenya 17-0 in the final. Poland taking bronze over Spain. Slight shine off it all with France having to withdraw due to coded testing in the end that were negative, but couldn't get the result in time. And also the USA, as precaution, also pulled out. Uh, Spain-Netherlands was at the weekend, wasn't it? Uh, that European Championship. Spain on top four on Saturday afternoon, they ran a 15 try to clinch the European Championship 2020 title and in the process secure a place at the World Cup European qualifying event, whether that's uh, relevant or not anymore. The host dominated Netherlands at the Stadio Pedro Vicente, uh, 87-0 to back up last week's 56-7 triumph over Russia at the same ground. Two bonus point victories means Spain finished top of that championship, Russia finishing second, Netherlands third. They will now progress that qualifying event later in the year against Ireland, Italy, and Scotland. If that all happens, or when it happens. And we've got news from the French League, the elite one that's now in the playoff stages, but not without the drama. I mean, what do you expect? It is France. Montpellier, Toulouse, 
Ramanak, which ASM basically, and Blagnac all top their respective pools. In the runners-up spot, Lance, despite being down to 13 players, prevented Leo from scoring. So squeezed through a minus 62 to minus 63 points difference. Rasenbaum booked their places from pools two and three. In pool four, for Bogny, who were due to travel to Grenoble, um, who hadn't registered a single match point all season, but it, there was a last-minute COVID test in the Grenoble side, which meant the game was cancelled. FFR, the judge, the points go to a split and go to both. And Bobogny, who under normal circumstances, you would suspect, would have recorded a bonus point win over Grenoble, having beaten them by 35 points earlier in that system, missed out of the playoffs by 0.8 match points. I mean, it's that is harsh. Not getting through to the playoffs because another team's got COVID, but yeah. Uh, these are the kind of things that are happening in these, these bizarre times. So the two pools of four teams now in the playoffs. They got underway last weekend. Blagnac thrashed Stade Rens, 56-10. Montpellier put Lens away, 64-5 in pool one. The other pool, Rognac beat Bayonne at 17-24 on the road, while Toulouse put 27 on answer points on Stade Bordelais. I should have let you do all that French stuff, shouldn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm more than happy. On to results in England. And we must just say, we're remiss not to say at the top of the show, it's the first time all five games have been streamed. Have you got five devices to watch all at the same time? <laughs> we have to start staggering kickoffs a bit more so everyone Ooh. can watch. Oh, there's an idea. A broadcast manager would, 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 would be a good idea to, to keep an eye across all these things. Another thing I've been working on trying to smack my head against a brick wall. Uh, Exeter, bit 76-5 against DMP. First ever hat-trick, Louise Burgess. Should we celebrate that's only the second try of the season for DMP? Yeah, we can too. Go to whitewash, good for them. Cracking game at uh, Acton. You were there, Wash Saracens. Was coming through 26-24. Yeah, brilliant battle. Um, you know, what a game to showcase the game. Um, you know, end-to-end staff on the edge of your seats. I wouldn't want to be either of the coaches when I was looking down. Both of them were... Looking pretty nervous throughout most of the game. It was very much um, tit for tat. And, you know, was hung in there and managed to secure the win. Very good. Abby, Abby Dow was on reasonable form. Um, her two tries were unbelievable. Um, the first one, you know, well, very much the same, both of them. But her second try was just outstanding. She beat over six defenders, you know, change of direction, moving the ball into the other hand to be able to hand off the next coming um, defender getting tackled over the line and still dotting it down. Yeah, she was in formidable form. And, and she's just, she's a player, when she gets going, she gets harder and harder and harder to bring down. She reminds me of a cat merchant, um, one of like the most incredible finishers and runners with the ball in hand. Yeah, if you haven't seen her, do, do look them up on social media. They are outstanding. Uh, Love for Lightning. 43-14 against Worcester, as we expected. Heartbreak. I would say got for heartbreak, but basically heartbreak. 36-0 against Bristol. Kelly Smith, congratulations to you, your 50th Premiership try. And your guys went up to sail the long road. Came away with a 45-5 win over the Sharks. Please with that. Yeah, really pleased. I mean, like whenever you travel, um, it's really difficult anyway. Um, so to be able to to put a scoreline on a quality side of South Sharks and to give that scoreline some context, it was twelve nil at half time. So the first half was, you know, 
tiring the opposition out, working really hard, you know, fighting for every inch. And then, you know, the second half is probably where the experience and and maybe the fitness and the time together of Harlequins shone through um, against the new side, Sail Sharks. But, yeah, really pleased for them. Lots of things that we've been working on in the week um, came alive in the game, which is, you know, pleasing from a from a, the coach's point of view. Um, but, yeah, but all eyes on to this weekend now. Indeed, we'll go over those things in just a sec. But just update you with the with the table. Saris lead the way, having played 12 on 52 points. Quinn's played 13, 51 points. Lightning just behind on 48. Uh, Wasps make up the top four on 44, having played 12. Exeter Chiefs very much in the hunt on 39 points, having also played 12. Hartbury beginning to lose touch in fifth on 30 points. Uh, it's going to be some race for that top four, really is. Anyway, this weekend, the Alliance Premier 15 fixtures are Wasps against Exeter. Big game. Big game. Um, really looking forward to that one because I think, um, you know, Exeter have been improving as have uh, Wasps and they've both been finding their form. Um, and so I think, you know, it's going to be a very interesting match-up, how the game plans of both Giselle Maver and Susie Appleby play out. Um, Wasps will be absolutely riding on a high right now um, and have so much belief and confidence that they can they can go and, and beat Exeter and, and increase that top four, that fourth and fifth position a little bit more this weekend. I'm going to, based on how I saw Wasps play last weekend, I'm going to say Wasps. Excellent. DMP Loughborough. Loughborough. What's the sale? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, this is a tough one. Hmm. I'll go away from the home side, can you? I don't know. I think, you know, if, if Sale Sharks can bump up the 40-minute performance like they did against Harlequins to a 50-60, then I think they absolutely will, will beat Worcester. Um just finding Worcester really hit and miss at the moment. We see some good results come out and then you see some results where it looks, you know, that they haven't been able to get off the mark at all. So, you know, I'm going to back Sale on this. I think I think Sale's results don't reflect the type of team that they can be at times. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to back them. Agreed. Yeah, build, they're, they're really building, aren't they, Sale? You, 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 can, you, can, you can see that in, uh, in pretty much everything they're, they're doing. Saracens, Bristol... I think Saracens, um, I think Bristol are still, you know, they're still struggling at the moment, uh, especially with losing Sarah Byrne again, just got her back and then she's lost out. She's managed to, um, you know, she's had surgery. So I think, yeah, I'm definitely going to back Saracens. And on the back of last weekend, you know, they're going to want to come out and, and turn things around as they did after their defeat against Exeter. Um, so I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that side. And Bristol advertising for a head coach role. So, um, you fancy that? Do check that out. Quinns, Gloucester, Hartbury. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, Gloucester at the moment, they are playing with such confidence and flair and enjoyment and watching you know the result that they played against that they had against Bristol last weekend was was a big result for them they've got so many big game players um and you know the likes of Kelly Smith who is a fierce runner you know Hannah Jones from Wales that you know she's been outstanding for and Tatiana Hurd's back Natasha Hunt that's shown up how they've got so much class across the side um 
so I think, you know, Harlequins are expecting a really physical and tough game and it's going to take the whole game to, to win that one. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Harlequins are going to have a big battle, but I 100% back them. The, you know, they've got class outfit themselves, so there's going to be no questions about who's going to come out on top. But I think it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be pretty tight. Hello, I'm Ollie Phillips, and you are listening to the fantabulous, absolutely wondrous and wonderful Women's Rugby Pod. Enjoy. Well, about wraps things up for this week. Just finally a shout-out. Craig Robinson, father of two Birth Academy graduates of Warsaw RFC, have been in touch because they are planning to raise £3,000 by walking, running, 10 million steps during the month of March. Final fundraising. Quite incredible, isn't it? That's remarkable. 10 million. Most people go after 10,000. That's uh, amazing. I mean, it could be my typing skills that they actually meant 10,000. <laughs> but now it's out there in the public domain, they're going to have to do 10 million, aren't they? So uh, that'll serve you right for getting a shout out, Craig. No, uh, in, in all seriousness, good luck, Gene. You can find their fundraising on the Just Going by searching Move in March for Warsaw Rugby Club. A huge, huge thank you to Wendy Young. Really, really good to speak to her. If you haven't already, please share, subscribe and rate. And we will see you next week. Until next time.